The Forum at 8 on SAFM. So, quite a surprise. The highways are very clear this morning, as you heard from Rob Byrne, but the pressure now building on the smaller routes uh, in between our towns and cities. And that's probably because you think e-tolls are evil. Elias in Lawley sent me this acronym for e-toll. He says it's evil takes our last loaf. And that's really been the dialogue around e-tolls. It's good versus evil. You're the winner, we're the loser. And that's the conversation that's been had so far. Let's try to change the conversation today. Let's look at e-tolls as part of a shared problem that demands a shared solution. So today the conversation is going to be about how e-tolls works. If you buy an e-tag what the process is thereafter. If you don't buy an e-tag, as the church leaders are doing, they're not buying in e-tag, and they're also choosing not to pay their e-tolls. So what's the process for them if they choose not to pay those e-tolls? I'm going to be joined on the line by Nazir Ali from uh, Sanral to talk to me. He's the CEO there. But first up, let's find out what the road conditions are like. Uh, Sasha Naidu is our reporter. He's been out there all morning for the last eight hours that Etols has been live. He's on Malibongwe Drive. Sasha, good morning. Thanks for joining me again. Hi, Darshan. I've actually just moved from Malibongwe Drive to William Nickel, where the traffic is a bit backed up at the moment as people are trying to, to join onto William Nickel. Uh, and uh, there are actually ETOL officials on the side of the road in between Malibongwe and William Nickel. And uh, one motorist that I've spoken to while I was stopped uh, there, she says that uh, she bought an e-tag yesterday because that she, she feels that she actually has to pass three ETOL uh, gantries. So she was a bit scared of that. So she actually went and bought that uh, e-tag and she actually stopped at these officials to actually ha- ask them how to install it onto a car. Because she says when she bought that uh, e-tag, it was only told to her and given or instructions given to her on how to do it. But no one physically showed her how to do it. And she said that these officials here were very helpful and that they sorted her out. Well, thanks for joining us, Sasha Naidu, just giving us an update. So the roads are a little bit busier. He's uh, moved away from Malibongwe Drive now. Uh, but, of course, as you heard from Rob Ben, some of those smaller roads in between our towns and cities are building up as uh, those of you who don't have e-tags, uh, as Sasha was talking about there, uh, choose to stray off the e-toll highways. If you'd like to give me a call, we will talk to Nazir Ali now from Sanral. The number to dial us is 0891104208. 0891104208. SMS me on 34701. Mr. Ali, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Dashin, to you and to your listeners. Are, are you worried about the unintended consequences of, of, of e-tolling? It seems right now we've got a situation building where people are avoiding the tolling highways and moving on to those smaller streets. Well, uh, Dashin, look, I think what will happen is that uh, that's quite normal for, for, for people to try an alternative route in there. But once they recognize that, you know, the, uh, the, the tariffs that they're paying and the benefits that they accrue from using the toll road are much higher than uh, being stuck in the traffic on the alternative routes, you know, where they're losing time, where they uh, are wearing case higher on their cars, then, of course, the petrol consumption is going up because you stop, go, stop, go. And people will come back to using the toll roads because they will recognize the benefits of having that. We had uh, more South Africans go out and buy e-tags yesterday. When we talked about it in the morning, around 700,000 had done so. Today we're talking about closer to a million. So uh, imagining 300,000 people flocking to uh, e-tag venues and offices uh, in Johannesburg to buy their e-tags. Well, I mean, uh, look, it's, uh, you know, we've always been noted as a nation of last minute. Yeah? And 
I think that's unfortunate that people are now going to try and get an e-take to make sure that they comply when they're using the roads. And I think we need to also clarify this. Yes, it is true that it's no, you don't need, there's no law by, uh, against not having an e-take. But what will happen is that when you don't have an e-take, is that you don't enjoy the various discounts which go together, which are attached to having that particular e-take, and then you'll end up paying the higher rate. Why are so there two why rates? Mr. Ali, why are there two rates? Why don't you just charge one flat rate whether you have an e-tag or not? Because it seems you're almost trying to prejudice those who, who don't have an e-tag, bullying them into buying one. No, you've got it completely wrong. Well, correct me. No, yes, because nobody's bullying anybody to do anything. Yeah? Uh, the law in 1998, the Sundar Act, made it very, very clear. That's over 16 years, nearly for 16 years, that to use a toll road and not pay for the toll fees in Nigo. That has been the law since uh, uh, 1998 uh, in the Sundar Act. So nobody's been bullied into doing anything. But why two different tariffs? Yes. We have to differentiate between the people who will be enjoying the benefits and not be subsidized by those who will be having an ETA. You don't end up subsidizing somebody else for the benefit that you are also enjoying. And that is why we made it very clear from the word go is that when you get an ETA, you qualify for various discounts. So the reason that you're charging a higher, a higher rate to those who don't have an ETAG is to subsidize those who do? No, you got it wrong again. Sorry, Dashen. That's not what I said. Please help said us out. That you, what, yeah, what you don't want to do is to have people who have got a tag, etc. those who, who are complying, subsidizing the people who are not complying. So the, 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 there is an additional cost attached uh, for admin, etc. For, for for us if we don't have an e-tag and we have to recover our costs to break even. So it's to cover your costs. That's why there's two different tariffs. 891 Give me a call right now. Uh, I do want to hear from you today. But I, I want to find out about something from you, Mr. Ali. What happens if, sure. if a lot of people don't buy the e-tags? You've only got a million people so far, assuming that they've well, bought the e-tags. 2.5 yes. million people, according to your survey, use this e-toll. You've got 20 billion rand of debt that you need to service for building the e-toll gantries. Uh, I spoke to Davi Root, who's been very critical of this, as you're not providing enough information for him to make a good enough decision, and he says your debt is probably closer to 30 billion rand. If you don't sell enough e-tags, what happens? Well, let's, let's start off with the cost. Right? The 20 billion rand wasn't for the construction of the gantries. It was for the improvements that we made to 201 kilometers of roads in, in the, in the, on the GFA project. That's what it is for, the improvements the additional lanes that we put in, the uh, uh, interchanges that we improve. So that is the, 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 the cost as well that we had to uh, incur to be able to make the improvements. Then if you look at the vehicle population, which is using this, this network on a daily basis, is one million. All right? Over a month, we had measured two and a half million people using it. So that's when you travel between Johannesburg and Pretoria for our arguments, you'll be passing about five gentries. Mm-hmm. So in that two and a half million figure, we've counted you five times, because you've gone five, you know, you've gone through under five. But the vehicle population at any one month using the network is one million. Now, if we've got about 700,000 uh, uh, or 750,000 nearer to that number already registered, that means 75% of the vehicle population is already registered. Yesterday, for instance, uh, when we checked the numbers, 
29,000 people had actually registered their vehicles. Well, let's check what that they have to say about that. You to look at that. And that's the numbers that you see. It mustn't cause any confusion. Yes, we did an analysis of 2.5 million vehicles, and that's when the analysis showed that about 83% of the people who are using the GFIL will pay not more than 100 rand a month. Well, let's and go to the lines. And that's not taking account the... the, 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 the uh, cap as well that we have introduced. I, I want to hear from listeners now because you're saying closer to 75% of us have, have bought these e-tags and really none of them have written into the program today. So I want to hear from those who have bought these e-tags and do you think you represent the majority? It's 16 minutes after 8, 891 Seshoka joins us. He's the NUM spokesperson. Lesiba, good morning. Uh, good morning, guys, and to the listeners. Thanks so much for joining us, Lesiba. What would you like to say? Well, I want to say to Nazir that we uh, remain opposed, vehemently opposed to the idea of e-tolling. And to say that uh, no amount of bullying is going to make us buy his e-tax. And that many of us, uh, who are of course poor people, um, will, 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 will be opposed to this thing. And if we have to be prosecuted, we will stand up there and get prosecuted. Precisely because I listened with interest in the morning when they spoke about the working class and the buses and and the taxis. Not all people who use private cars mm-hmm. are actually wealthy. And I think it's totally nonsense, this idea that has been pushed around uh, by Nazir and his crew to suggest that uh, whoever is not using a bus or a taxi is wealthy or is middle class. Thank you. Lesiba, thank you very much for that comment. And I think I made the, the comment earlier on as well. It's, uh, it's disingenuous to assume that everyone is, is, is working class if they're using a bus or a taxi. Uh, let's take one more caller before we go back to uh, Nazir Ali. Kevin in Durban, uh, you want to know what happens when I come to Gauteng. Kevin, good morning. Yes, I'm planning to visit uh, Gauteng over the, over the first season from Belito. And, yeah, what happens when, uh, what, what happens with here? What is the situation with regards to other towners? Well, thanks for that call, uh, Kevin. John in Mtunzini. Hi. Hi, John. Hello. Hi, John. Go ahead. Yeah. I drive all over the uh, country, and um, every day I see people without number plates. How does that uh, work with the e-tolls if they drive through without number plates? Great question, John. Also, we know that there's uh, cloning of number plates that's rife out there, so how are we going to deal with that? What about the paper number plates for brand new cars? Uh, how do you go through the e-toll gantries? I imagine that's some of the questions that uh, we have for you today. Uh, Nazir Ali joining me on the line, CEO of Sanral. Uh, Mr. Ali, let's start with what uh, Lesiba Sashoka said from NUM. This, this, how, how are you going to prosecute those who fail to pay their e-tags? Uh, look, Sunwell doesn't do the prosecution in that. The law enforcement agencies and our justice system does the prosecution. However, the system that will be applied is that if you haven't paid your, finally not paid your bill for the use of the toll roads, uh, 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 you will be served with the summons. And, and how long will that take? Yeah. Uh, look, the way that we, we, we will follow a debt collection uh, system first, yeah? So you how, how long, collection. if you can just explain the process, so I drive yes, through, I, 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 I drive, if, 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 just in a chronological way, so I drive through the, the toll road this morning, I don't yes. have an e-tag, when can I expect a bill, when can I expect okay. it to be referred to debt collection, when can I expect a summons you to be, be appearing you, in court? You, you will be listening, you will be uh, listening, 
uh, 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 following the debt collection process within 9 to 10 days from the time that you've actually passed the entry. Because you've got seven days in which to go and make your account listing in the black again. And if you don't do it within seven days, we will then start the processing in terms of the admin work, internal admin work. And that's where the nine to ten days comes in before we send out your first invoice. And then there is a regulatory process that one follows in terms of the debt collection system. And once that the debt collection system has been exhausted, we will then serve you with the summons and the summons, uh, uh, I don't know the exact date because I've got to just go and check it out again. Otherwise, you're going to tell me that I've given you the wrong number. I just need to check that. But you will be served with the summons, and then the person will have to appear in court. And then that is then I left up to the magistrate to decide in terms of what the consequences are at the end of the day. But the prosecution will be done in terms of the Criminal Prosecution Act, which is catered for, as I said earlier, in the Sunrail Act since 1998. So that is the process that we will be following. Well, Mr. Ali, I'm going to give you a chance to find out exactly how long uh, it would take for that summons to get through. I'm going to uh, go to a short break. And the reason I'm going to ask you to well, do I, that... Well, I don't have the numbers available to me right mm. now. I don't, I'm not, I don't have access to that. I will come back to your producer. Well, thanks so much. Uh, Nazir Ali joining us on the line. Uh, we're going to take a short break. He's back with us just for a couple more minutes before 8.30. Stay tuned. We don't know why you chose a red car. Maybe it made turning 40 a little easier. We don't know that. But we do know that things like the color of your car, how often you exercise and what you eat, all affect your risk profile, which affects your life cover premium. And maybe you didn't know that. With the Liberty Risk Revealer, an essay first, you can do your own risk assessment online and possibly qualify for up to 12% off on a new lifestyle protector policy. No, we don't know why you chose a red car, but we do know how to give you a discount on comprehensive cover, no matter what the color of your midlife crisis. Access Risk Revealer at libertyriskrevealer.co.za. Liberty, the advantage of knowing. Liberty is an authorized financial services provider. T's and C's apply. My name is Amgela Mbotuma. I'm a grade 8 pupil at Etrity Junior Secondary School in Bizana, Eastern Cape. Our school used to be run down and in some classes we didn't have enough desk and chairs to sit on. But things had changed when Anglo-American Platinum helped to build a new school. Now we have running water science lab where we can do experiments, a computer lab and safe playgrounds. Our school is beautiful and I feel like I could learn more so that one day I can become something great like a psychologist. Anglo-American Platinum has invested 40 million rand in building Etheridge Junior Secondary School. Between 2010 and 2012, we contributed 130 million rand towards building and renovating schools and providing them with new equipment as part of our commitment to education and developing the youth in areas where our employees come from. Where there is mining, there is an impact. We believe it should be a positive one. Anglo-American. Real mining, real people, real difference. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Nazir Ali joining me from Sanral. Mr. Ali, how many people have bought an e-tag so far? Dashan, I mentioned earlier to you, and I think you mentioned the number as well. Yesterday alone, we had 29,000 people who have actually bought and registered. I don't have the exact overall figures, but I'm reckoning it's closer to uh, uh, 800,000. Church leaders yesterday said they won't be buying these e-tags, and they don't plan to pay the e-tolls as well. Uh, could they face blacklisting if they choose not to, to pay these uh, e-tolls? That is not up to us. As I said, that would be up to the courts. The courts will 
the, the due, due process will be followed, that courts will decide. But yes, there is a potential for people getting uh, blacklisted, etc., because you will end up with a criminal record. And I want to repeat, that's in terms of the Sandral Act and the Criminal Procedures Act, which the Sandral Act created for it since 1998. It's not something new that has been introduced for GFIP. Kevin asked the question, he's visiting Gauteng, what yeah. happens to him? And also what happens sure. to those outside of the country? If you're in Mozambique visiting Johannesburg, yeah. how do you get uh, told? Right. Let me just deal with our internal visit. What I call our internal visit is people coming from outside of our province. Yeah? Look, we would uh, encourage them to register as well, and it's quite easy to register because all you've got to do is call 0800 Sandwell, or go onto the internet, and then you can register as what we call a VLN user. Uh, or the other way that you can do it, if you're an occasional visit to this, there's a day pass as well. And again, you just got to register your vehicle to be able to obtain the day pass, and the arrangements are made for the payment of the day, day pass. But the reason why I'm saying that people should register, the intention is to introduce e-tolling at all of our existing plazas, Dashen, you know, where you travel, say, between Joburg and, and, and Durban, when the gentleman Kevin comes through, from Durban he'll be passing a number of plazas. We want to introduce the electronic toll collection system at those plazas as well, which is currently uh, this thing available and in use on the Platinum Highway, the Bakwena Highway around Pretoria, around the N1, and as you go towards the N4, where there's a dedicated lane for people who will have a tag, so you don't have to stop to pay and uh, you, 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 you just drive through, uh, through, uh, through the plaza because you'll have a tech. And that's one of the reasons. And this is a system of what we call it is interoperable. That means with one tech and one account, you'll be able to use this throughout the country. You do not have to have different accounts or different techs. John also also asked the question about number plates, and and I I added to that, what about cloned number plates and people who still have paper number plates? Now, uh, look, one of the things that uh, the system will be able to do for us is that, you see, if there's a mismatch between the tag and the number plate, we will be able to identify that vehicle immediately to say that, you know, there's something wrong with that vehicle. We're not saying that there's this thing that the number plate is this thing false or anything. And because we have in our control center sitting over here, we have uh, the traffic officers, they will be able to inform their colleagues on the, uh, who are patrolling the roads uh, to say, look, there's a vehicle over there, there's a mismatch between the tag and the number plate, it could be suspect, potentially suspect, please go and check it out. And that is how we will be also adding to reducing the cloning and the uh, false number plates on our roads in, uh, in, in, in uh, I'm, network. I'm going to take Bongani's call in Pretoria, but before I do that, Mr. Ali, there was a question that I, I had on this. Why do you need to link our bank accounts to these e-tags? Why do you uh, need those details? Yes, yeah, thank you for asking for that question. We do not need your banking details at all, Dashen. That's been, you know, a myth which has been uh, floating around ever since we started this project. Let me make it very clear to all your listeners we do not need your banking details. So you have a choice in terms of what option you're going to use for the payment. And if you use a prepaid payment, there's no requirement for your banking details or anything. We do not need it. You will decide, for instance, of linking your, your, your payment method to, to your credit card, for instance, or one of the other things that you can do 
is that you can control through a debit order as to how much you think uh, the, your, 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 your tag account has to be uh, uh, topped up every month by a set amount. You decide that. We do not need your banking mm-hmm. details. Let us please understand that. We do not need your banking details at all. Let's go to Bongani calling in from Pretoria. Bongani, hi. Hi. Uh, I have an important tag, so I would like to know what is the process. Let's assume I go through the gantry, and then uh, how long do I have to pay, and what is the process to let, letting me know how much do I owe, and where do I go and pay? Considering I saw there was like issue about seven days when you have to pay a certain amount, and uh, are they going to send it with a registered post? And in the, can can they explain the process for those who, who do not need to buy an e-tech? Okay, thank you very much, Bongani. I, I know we answered this uh, perhaps very scantily, but Mr. Ali, could we get a little bit more detail? In the seven days after I drive through an e-tech and don't pay, and I don't have an e-tech, and I don't plan to pay, what what happens? Look, it sounds like Bongani is planning to pay, so I think maybe we should give Bongani credit for that. Uh, that well, he's asking the question, so let's uh, assume yes. the best. Yes. Uh, 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 first of all, you can call up the call center, give them your details, etc., within the seven days, and ask as to how much you owe, and they will be able to tell you to say, this is the vehicle, this is where you've traveled, etc., you owe so much, please make the arrangements to pay that particular account. That is uh, uh, one of the ways that you can do that. But when you get your invoice the first time, you also have this thing, an opportunity to go and settle your account within the X number of days, within the next number of days, and there is an incentive for you to be able to then register as well, and you'll get a discount on what we call the standard tariff. Then there's a further discount, but you won't get the full 48% discount, which brings you to a tag. Take discount. Mm-hmm. So that is the way that uh, I'm suggesting to Bongani that he does it while he is busy going to go and get his e-tag and register his uh, his tag. But I think he's really asking what's how the penalty process works here. So seven days, I don't pay. Nine to ten days, I receive a letter in the post, or is it a registered letter? Like they said that the debt collection process will be followed. So that, yeah, so you will get an invoice first. That is how. It's no different when you guys at the SABC every year send me a notice. <laughs> so I'm late for paying my TV license, and your letter, by the way, is far more threatening than what the letter that we will be sending out. Well, I don't write Same it. process, yeah. No, but I'm saying the same process that we follow. The same process, the normal debt collection process that we will be following. The CEO of Sanral, thanks for joining us, Nazir Ali. I know my I had pleasure. I had tons more questions for you, Mr. Ali, but uh, unfortunately you have to leave us right now. But uh, thank you very much for joining us. In the next half hour, I'll be joined by Howard Dembovsky. You know him as the head of the Justice Project of South Africa. I hope I answered some of the questions that he has, but I know he has more questions about that penalty system, and you'll hear why right after this. Time for your news headlines with Vibakshini Chetty. Coming up at 9 o'clock, morning talk with Rowena Bird. Rowena, back at home base today. Indeed. Thank you, Dash. And here's what's coming up on morning talk today. We're going to talk about the accusations by the spokesperson of the Democratic Alliance, which were leveled at Parliament's Standing Committee on Public Accounts, or SCOPA, that is actually ineffective and toothless. We have both the DA and SCOPA talking to us in the first hour. In the second hour, we'll have our Tuesday regulars, personal finance with uh, Brian Hirsch, as well as property matters. 
matters with Dineo Mulomu. On the personal finance slot, Brian Hirsch will take a look at the importance for women to take control of their finances with a high rate of divorce. And on property matters with Dineo Mulomu, we take a look at property trends ahead of 2014. And later, we will turn our attention to issues on the African continent and focus on the latest from Sudan, which split into two countries in 2011. We'll find out what life is like for the ordinary Sudanese people and also hopefully briefly talk to United Nations Development Program Administrator who's been visiting South Africa and just find out more about her visit and why she's here. And that's the show for today. Thank you, Darshan. SAFM is your radio station, so we want to hear what you have to say. We value your inputs and opinions on our programming. The format works for me well. In fact, my day won't be complete without SAFM. And why have you got an SABC representative on that program? It's, it's for editors, not SABC reps. I love these signing programs. I love hearing everybody's comments. You know, it seems that SAFM is becoming the voice of the dominant global elite, you know, not the ordinary uh, man in the street. I think SAFM is doing a pretty sterling job. Email us. J-O-Z-I-S-A-F-M.co.za Fax us on 011-714-5829 or comment on our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. Thank you for taking the time to provide us with your feedback. This will be carried forward as we think about the future of SAFM's programming. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. How does e-tolling work? That's our subject uh, for conversation today. I was joined by Nazir Ali earlier on. We were talking about Bayes Nordia Drive today. Very busy as uh, traffic lights are also still out uh, along that road near Kingsway, but also because of e-tolling. People avoiding the e-tolling highways. But uh, Nazir Ali says, uh, well, we'll learn very quickly that uh, the e-toll highways are much better, much quicker for us to to go through, and the buy-in will happen eventually. But right now, if you don't pay for your e-tolling after seven days, uh, you will receive a, a letter. Nine to ten days is when you'll receive that invoice. Uh, he didn't confirm whether it was registered post or not, uh, but he said you would be uh, going through an internal process at uh, Sanra and thereafter it would be handed over uh, to debt collection. So uh, he also admitted that uh, he's received rather threatening letters from us here at the SABC for not paying his TV license, Sanral's CEO, Nazir Ali. Your SMS is coming in. Uh, what happens if I arrive in Johannesburg from out of town and go through an e-toll without an e-tag? Uh, what happens if I'm just visiting Josie? Uh, Musi says, uh, why have we not been told how people that fail to, be, to pay will be prosecuted? What's the process? Uh, Mike Masiapasikope, totally not sure on this matter. The Sanral website just says create an account, but how? And Liz and Deb, and how can non-payers of eToll be prosecuted when it's not illegal not to pay for the toll? Well, justice projects. Howard Naboski joins me on the line. Mr. Dimboski, thank you so much for your time. Perhaps we can answer some of these questions together. Uh, what happens if I arrive out of town and don't pay these eTolls? Am I going to be prosecuted? Well, firstly, good morning to you and good morning to the listener. Um, yes, you most certainly can be prosecuted. Um, what's not clear, however, is, is how, when, why, when, etc., etc. Um, and that's why we actually have our uh, attorneys right to various entities, including the Department of Transport, the Department of Justice, the National Prosecuting Authority, and SANRAL, um, to which we got a rather snotty response 
saying... Um, ask me. Ask the media. <laughs> I, I, I don't have those answers for you, Howard. I can tell you now. I, and I tried to get it out in Nazir Ali, uh, earlier on, and I'm not sure if you heard that interview, but we, we didn't get much in the way of details, and it was asked uh, repeatedly how this process would work. He said he didn't have some of the information with him on hand. Uh, it's in his office, and, and he just doesn't have access to it. Well, with all due respect, he's the CEO of Sanrail. He should know this information. Um, he should have already, a long time ago, interfaced with the National Prosecuting Authority to find out how this process would happen. Uh, incidentally, our attorneys have written back to Wurzmans and said to them, could you rather please give us an intelligible answer instead of avoiding the issue? Because at the end of the day, all of the state organs who were written to have a constitutional duty to actually answer the questions, but they're avoiding them by, by trying to threaten us with a costs order if we are forced to take the matter to the High Court to get clarity. So, um, you know, this is a bit of disingenuous stuff. But let's, let's put a few things into perspective. Mm-hmm. It is illegal to drive on a toll road and not pay toll. Uh, that, that, that nobody's ever going to get away from. So Liz is wrong when she wrote in and said, it's not illegal for me not to pay the toll. It is illegal for you not to pay the toll. You have to pay the toll. Absolutely. Um, it is not, however, illegal for you not to get an e-tag, and it is not illegal for you to not register with Sanral. Um, you have every right to demand that, that they proceed to the stage where they send you an invoice and uh, let's just clarify the, the matter of registered post while we at it. Uh, there is no requirement whatsoever for Sanral to use registered post to send you that invoice, which they must send within 32 days. That's the only proviso that, that is contained in the e-road regulations. Um, and, in fact, what it says is that that invoice must be sent to you at your last known address within 32 days. Now, I think we all know what a mess e-natus is. You don't even get your license renewals in the post, considering that you're a law-abiding citizen that doesn't get fines in the post. Um, so, therefore, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how people are going to get these um, invoices from Sanral when there's no requirement for actual service of that invoice. And you're going to be handed over to a bunch of folks um, who call themselves debt collectors who are going to find you at all curious hours of the day and night, uh, threatening you with dire consequences and imprisonment, and they just send people to arrest you, etc., etc. We can see it coming. Um, what, what actually uh, I find quite amazing is Nazir Ali, who earns uh, somewhere in the order of three and a half million rand a year, can't afford to pay his TV license, um, given the fact that he is. Um, now cited the fact that he's being hounded to pay his CV license. Well, the letters uh, from us are apparently far more threatening than the letter that he sent to you, so you should thank your lucky stars, Howard. Uh, let's, oh, I'm very happy to hear that. Let's go to the lines, <laughs> So We've got a professor from the Graduate School of Business at UNISA on the line, Professor Rualamila. I hope I'm saying it right. Y- yes, you are. Thanks so much. W- w- what did you want to say on this? Well, I, actually, I'm actually saying that uh, this issue which you are discussing now, for me, actually, it is fundamental on, on this kind of a project uh, which Nazir Ali was talking about. Because uh, one aspect which I think we are not talking about is that uh, this is a public-private partnership procurement, which means the public actually is central to this particular situation. And I could have actually expected that these issues which we are discussing now were actually supposed to be dealt with at the time actually when Sandra was supposed to do the consultation. 
Mm. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't know if you read Davio Roth's article last night, the good, the bad, the ugly of e-telling, and he said his biggest problem was that, that there was a lack of information. Yeah. We just don't have the answers. Uh, uh, right. And, and, and can I just say to you that uh, if you look at some of the debates on this kind of delivery of infrastructure across the world, the, the issue actually nowadays is about the public comparator. A public comparator actually is more to do with the value for money. Why do you go for this instead of probably the mm. traditional route mm. of dealing with infrastructure? Those are central things, and, and, and we need actually to, to deal with those particular issues. Because for me, Sunral actually has poisoned the only issue of infrastructure development by using different innovations. Professor Rawalamila, thanks for joining us at the Graduate School of Business. Uh, Mr. Dembowski, what do you think about this? Davi wrote last night, uh, the chief economist at Efficient Group, talking about the lack of information. The prof saying, how, do, how are we supposed to make these decisions without enough b- behind it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, <laughs> I can only endorse what the professor and Davi Ruth are saying. The fact is that there's very little information that's available to you, and it always seems to be in Nazir Ali, uh, Ali's office. Um, I find that quite curious. You know, this morning uh, on my way to where I am now, I heard a taxi driver call into a radio station and say, uh, is he automatically exempt from, from uh, ETO? The answer to that question is no, he is not. Um, but that was contained in, in the government gazette, where it, it set out the process that, that uh, taxis and uh, public transport vehicles will have to make an application to Sandwell to be exempted from uh, ETOL on, on these freeways, uh, or should I say payways. And um, they would then have to make that application, and if their route fell on the freeway, they, they may be granted that exemption, and uh, that will apply only if they've got an ETAG fitted in their vehicle. Now, that's just one of many different uh, areas of, of information that has not been disseminated properly. Um, but we can go further than that because um, our Minister of Transport, Nazir Ali, Lucy Mona, etc., etc., have turned around and say, well, if you don't have an e-tag and you're not registered with Sanrail, you'll pay almost double. That's actually not true at all. Um, the fact is, if you're not registered with Sanrail and you drive on these freeways, you will pay three times um, the advertised rate. And if, uh, if you, uh, you will actually pay 5.8 times the rate that a registered e-tag will pay. Now, this is tantamount to financial blackmail because they've imposed um, such severe penalties on on people that if one doesn't go and get an e-tag and register that e-tag, essentially what they're doing is financially crippling you. For example, the trip that I took uh, to get here today would have cost me 10 rand if if I had an e-tag. It would have cost me 20 rand if I didn't, and it would have cost me 60 rand if I had not registered at all with Sanral. Well, Nazir Ali says it's not bullying tactics. I asked him that question. Why are there two different tariffs? Because if you're charging us the lesser amount, uh, of course, we'd go for the lesser amount, and that means buying an e-tag. Well, they're actually not two. They're three. And and this is the thing that that, uh, this is the misinformation that's been spread by him and his colleagues. There are three tariffs. And, um, you know, the fact is that, that essentially they are trying to force you into a situation where you have no choice but to make the collection process easy by going and buying a prepaid registered e-tag and keeping that thing topped up yourself. 
Either that or providing them with banking details so that they can automatically siphon money out of your bank account. But what I'm failing to tell people is that allegedly one in four number plates in Gauteng is, is actually cloned. And it's, it's sitting on motor vehicles. Now, if you have an e-tag and you're one of these so-called law-abiding citizens that have gone and get, got your e-tag and you've registered with Sanrail, and somebody drives along that freeway with your number plate on their car, guess what? Not only do your discounts go right out the window, but so does your cat. And it is up to you to prove that it wasn't you that was driving on, on that freeway because it's automatically assumed that you were. So this, this is guilty until proven innocent, etc., etc. Don't we need to change the conversation a little bit from, from the winner versus loser argument? Because we've got this good versus evil battle that seems to be waging. You're either for or against e-tolling. And, and, I, and I'm interested in what Nazir Ali has, has written here. He wrote a piece a couple of days ago, I think it was yesterday actually, and he says um, that it's wrong to assume that there was no public consultation on e-tolling. And he says there's a degree of frankness that's required here. How many of us actually respond to invitations to comment on laws and policies that may be before Parliament and the executive? Not many of us, he says. And what then unfortunately happens is that when decisions are made, citizens turn around and say they were not consulted. Isn't there a broader point that that needs to be made here about the shared problems that we deal with in society and how we need to share in the solutions? Um, yes, uh, I can't disagree with him, and um, whilst I'm not uh, disagreeing with him, I'm not conceding anything. Um, what I'm going to say to you is, is that the latest publication of the ESOL tariffs, um, according to Sanrail and the Department of Transport, received 1,080 responses to it. Um, those 1,080 responses, God alone only knows, what um, kind of consideration was was taken into account, given the fact that the, the ETOL tariff gazette that was then published on the 19th of, of November, um, oh, sorry, yes, the 19th of November, um, was identical uh, in every shape, manner, uh, and form, except for the fact that it said, I think DPS teachers now proclaim these as being in force and give you notice. So... Um, you know, it's a little bit disingenuous to say that, that people um, have not participated in, in public processes. I'd also like to challenge Mr. Ali and his, his uh, associates to please name one venue um, in Soweto, in um, Dobsonville, in Katlahong, uh, etc., etc., that these public consultations were actually held. Let's go to the SMSs and the phone lines. If you'd like to call in now, 0891104208. Toloba Makambo writes in saying, Sanro must tell us why they're keeping the cost and revenue distribution secret. What are they hiding? This is public money. Anthony says, because civil servants get e-tags, we end up paying for them. The poor will pay more for food transport. Steeman KZN, oppressive laws will remain as such, no matter if the majority obey. The church leaders must be commended for their stand against this e-tolling, writes Steeman KZN. And uh, this SMS unsigned. I bought my e-tag last month, but I'm struggling to fit it in. Well, you and about 750,000 others who bought their e-tags, if you have any questions, you should call Sanral directly. Their number is 0800 Sanral. That's 0800 726 
725. I'll repeat that number out at the end of the program. Hopefully, I'll have some time to do so. <laughs> let's go to the lines in 0891104208. Dave has called in, but let's take Billy first up in Madrant. Hi, Billy. How's it? First of all, the Road Traffic Act, uh, just like the Income Tax Act, are not laws. They apply to persons or drivers. They don't apply to travelers behind the wheel of a car, and the Income Tax Act doesn't apply to a man. In Black's Law Dictionary, a driver is not the same as a traveler. A driver is for commerce. A traveler is a man just going down the road to get a loaf of bread. So these guys want to play around with people. We're getting fed up with it. A person is not a man. A man is an unlimited sovereign, unlimited being. A person is limited, PTY limited, through a birth certificate and pledged to the government. So a citizen, yes, if you do want to be a person, you must pay your 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 uh, your e-tax or your e-tolls. Maritime admiralty law is the law of the sea. Why are we having that law when we're on land? The common law should be applied. So it's not a compulsory, it's not a law. It might be legal to pay uh, for an e-tag and use one, but it's not lawful. So it doesn't apply to me. I'm not buying one. I never will. And if they send me a bill, I'll, I'll, I'll take the bill under onerous title or whatever, and I'll sign it as an unlimited man, accept it for value, and send it right back to them. Billy, thanks for your call. appreciate that. I've heard Billy talk about taxes before and how he doesn't have to pay taxes. I'm curious to see what uh, Howard Dombowski has to say about that. But first up, uh, Dave in Midrand. Hi, Dave. Good morning. Uh, my there. point is actually uh, goes in line with uh, what the gentleman just said. First of all, why would the taxes be exempted? I'm tr I'll try actually to make it very short because taxis and buses are on the road for business. Every trip they make, they're actually making more money. Unlikely like an individual like me and you that would just drive mm. to work. And when petrol goes up, uh, these, these people, a uh, taxi or bus, they can adjust the, the traveling fares to cover on that cost. But the individual who just drives to go to work or to school or to go shopping, nobody, the employer doesn't say that the petrol went up, they, uh, therefore your salary will be adjusted. So we strongly believe that Sunral and whoever is behind this it all thing, they were very much convinced that if ever they try to include the taxi driver into this structure, they will disrupt the system and it's not going to work. Yeah, Secondly, if they say that mm -hmm. that's for the poor, everyone that's in the taxi is not a poor. And it's all in how thing. When you take the same taxi, traveling to Mpumalanga or somewhere else, these taxis and bus, they pay the big toll there. Why are they paying if it's for the poor? That's Dave. actually my, my, the Dave, point Dave, I was trying to make. Thank you very much for calling in. Well, I guess it's a similar point to what Davi Roach was making this morning. By allowing taxis not to pay tolls, the cost of roads are mispriced for those taxis, leading to a misallocation of the resource. He says it's not fair and not a good tolling system that you allow exceptions, because the very moment those exceptions are allowed, the basic economic arguments in favor of those tolls are lost. Well, it's uh, up to what you think on this, 34701, or give me a call on 0891 We have to go for a short break right back after this. It's that time of the year again with the biggest golfing attraction in Africa, the Nedbank Golf Challenge. This year, it has entered a new era with a change in format. The most significant restructuring of Africa's major in its 32-year history will feature an increased 30-man field competing for a total purse of $6.5 million at the Gary Player Country Club from the 5th to the 8th of December. SAFM Sports Special will bring you all the excitement and interviews on Saturday the 7th and Sunday the 8th of December live from Sun City. 
Join me, Brad Brown, at this year's Nedbank Golf Challenge, Africa's very own major. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Howard Dombowski, would you like to respond to some of those callers? Yeah, um, look, I, I don't want to get into the law of persons and all tax laws, etc., etc. The National Road Traffic Act does apply to human beings. Uh, at the end of the day, if you um, intentionally go and break the speed limits and um, then, then you go and crash your vehicle, uh, you're going to be charged with, with reckless and negligent driving. Uh, if you kill someone, you're going to be charged with culpable or homicide, or you're going to be charged with murder. Uh, let, let, let's not go uh, you know, with that. What I will say, however, is that this entire um, idea of double taxing us for our roads is, is just nonsensical. Um, with respect to the public transport vehicles, let's please remember that minibus taxis are not public transport. They are private transport that's uh, transporting the public. And they're very, very much, as, as the caller said, uh, profit-driven. They're not exempt from, from tolls. On other major routes, it's only on the ring fence cities that Sanol has chosen to um, charge us to come in and out of um, that, that, that the taxis are allegedly uh, exempt. But as I said to you earlier, I, I, I think it's a little bit disingenuous to automatically assume that the taxi is exempt because they're not. And uh, I, I suspect when the taxis start getting their bills, um, that we're going to hear a little bit more from them. I think that, that, that the entire uh, methodology behind uh, exempting minibus taxis and buses and other public transport, etc., etc., was uh, simply designed to avert um, the kind of action that we have seen from minibus taxi drivers in the past. Um, so let's wait and see what happens on that score. While there's a lot of focus uh, by your organization on those who choose not to buy the e-tags, what about those who do? Do you have a message for those who are buying their e-tags, want to be and believe in this, this idea of being law-abiding citizens and, and wanting to pay their way for the user-pay principle? They use the highway, so they feel they should be paying for it. Um, I, I don't think that that's an accurate uh, description. Um, certainly not from the people that I've seen this morning and at other times who are actually now capitulating and getting the aid case. First off, that does not make you a law-abiding citizen. If you obey all traffic laws on our road, maybe it does. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't just go get yourself a little e-tag and then continue to drive through red traffic lights on the alternative routes. Um, but the fact is, is this. Um, the, to those people, I say, you know what, I can understand your financial uh, circumstances. I can understand why you would not want to pay um, six times uh, as much as I'm going to have to pay if I do pay. Um, I understand those financial situations. I understand that a gun has been put to your head. And good luck to you. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when I am prosecuted for driving on these roads uh, and not paying the toll, then they're going to have to criminally convict me. And if they can't do that, then all your money is going to have gone down the toilet because there is going to be no methodology in order to convict people of this so-called crime. Um, it's all very well saying I'm a law-abiding citizen, but I think we need to have a look at the processes that are used to, to, uh, to enact laws. And this process is flawed. Trust me, it is. And there are a number of reasons why it's flawed. I'm not going to go into all of those reasons, but let's just be honest. In terms of Section 217 of, of, of the Constitution, 
any form of, of, of collection must be administratively efficient. And this, he told me, is far from administratively efficient. Let's remember that the 17% that they're talking about um, uh, this costing that's going to be exported to, uh, to Austria is, number one, double the, the world standard, and number two, based on a very optimistic view that people are just going to simply rush out and get e-tags. I don't believe that that's going to be the case. People are angry. Yes, business has gone out and bought these e-tags. And I find it absolutely amazing that um, 60,000-odd e-tags could have been sold yesterday, uh, according to Sanrail's claims, when it couldn't for the whole week last week give us uh, an accurate count uh, with respect to how many e-tags had been sold. And by Sunday, that was 735,000. By close of business yesterday, it was 800,000. I don't know whether we can believe a word that they say. Well, thanks for joining us, Justice Project. Howard Dembowski, appreciate your SMSs this morning as well. I'll try to read one or two before ending the show. Now, Sipo writes in, how about anybody choosing a public walkway, which we then enhance using their own funds, then charging the public a fee to recoup the cost? How is this different to what Sanrel did to us? We were told the system is intelligent. If so, he would have the numbers. Not so intelligent, is it, Mr. Ali? Uh, this SMS, e-tolling is without a doubt a form of legalized extortion. Uh, Nelspreet, uh, Vitbank writes in, uh, is there an intention to toll other cities with e-tags like Nelspreet? Lots more questions, and I'm sure the debate doesn't just end here. We will continue it, of course. Thank you so much for your calls, your SMSs, your Facebook comments, and, of course, to my two guests, Howard Dombowski from The Justice Project and earlier on, Nazir Ali from Sanra. I appreciate the time of both of these gentlemen to discuss this issue with you, of course, getting the answers as best as we can. Just after 9 o'clock, time now for your full news with Vibakshini Chetty.